I was born in the late 60s, so my formative years were spent growing up in the in the 70s, not a particularly enlightened time in terms of people, I don't think. Um, I was born into a family, uh, what you might describe as a normal family. We lived in a council house and we were proud to be in a council house. It was back in the days when, when people were. Um, so there was my mum and dad, my older brother, who's about three years older than me, and and little old me. Um, we had sort of family around us um, on both sides, on my, on my father's and my mother's family. We were much closer to my mum's side of the family, so aunties and uncles, and particularly my nan and granddad. And I remember being um, a pretty bubbly, outgoing, maybe even extroverted boy. Um, I used to stick up for my brother if there was any trouble out in the street, and he was that much older than me. Uh, he was scared of the dark. He was scared of the moon. Uh, many occasions I would get up in the middle of the night, or he'd wake me up in the middle of the night to take him to the toilet or to get a drink of water. And that was at a, a fairly young age. That would have been, you know, four or five years old. So even then, something something of a burden to to deal with as a as a young child. So we lived our lives. My dad was a, um, he worked nights, he was an engineer. So he would work Monday night through to Thursday nights and then he'd come home. We wouldn't see much of him through the week, but actually we wouldn't see that much of him uh, at weekends either. He was uh, pretty much down the pub every session that it was open. My time with my father was when he would take me to the pub. If we went for a family day out, we'd always end up in the pub. Uh, Saturday nights were often, you know, family night down the British Legion. Sunday lunchtimes was a bit of time when I, well, I sort of spent with my father. He'd take me down there. He'd go with my uncle, his brother. And my brother and I would go down there and we'd play and we'd sit in a, a really smoky room full of people who were drinking. And, and that was that really. So I grew up up to the age of up to the age of eight. In fact, something happened when I was eight years old. Uh, it was actually the day before my ninth birthday. Something happened, which was tragic and traumatic for someone so young, uh, but not something unusual. Something that happens in people's lives, uh, and it fundamentally changed me. It. It made me very withdrawn. I became quite introverted. Um, I spent, you know, I, I spent my life in, in a bit of a world of my own from then on. So I got through my teenage years. I decided that I was going to become an engineer because that's what my dad did. That's what I was familiar with. Uh, I wasn't really sure what other options were available to me, to be honest. It was, you know, it was just what I did. Took my options at school, so at the age of, what, 12, 13, I was making decisions, as many of us do, uh, that would determine how we spent the rest of our lives, certainly from a, a work perspective. One thing I do recall is, in order to take the options that I needed to get an apprenticeship, I was unable to also do art. It wasn't an option that was on the table, given the subjects I was doing. 
what I used to say to myself is I, I had to give up art. I mean, I didn't have to give up art, but I certainly couldn't choose it as a as a subject to take through formal education. Uh, but it's kind of, it's stuck with me. I, I, I think I'm probably a much more creative person. Well, I am a much more creative person than I used to give myself credit for. Uh, in fact, I think we all are very creative people. We just haven't necessarily learned the skills to to express it in a traditional sense like painting you know poetry writing whatever it might be um so i got through school left school started an apprenticeship and embarked on a career a career in engineering um i worked for some very good companies over periods of time but it was never I don't know. I, I never woke up in the morning thinking, yeah, it's work. I've got something exciting to do today. I was always way more interested in the people than getting the bits of metal out of the door. I really couldn't care less about all that stuff. But the people fascinated me. You know, the people and their decisions and their behaviours and why they were doing the things they were doing and why all these crazy decisions seemed to happen that just didn't make sense to me. Uh, which I'd speak out about, but it would often count against me. I was the guy who sat in the corner of a meeting and said something and people would just give me a bit of a, a quizzical look <laughs> and then would turn away and carry on like I was mad. Uh, and, and I think this, this sort of bred a, a feeling in me that I was the odd one out. Uh, I think certainly my family experience left me with a sense of being a bit of an outsider in that group. And that carried through into my work life. Now, I, from the outside, from, from, you know, an external perspective, you might have considered me successful. You know, decent salary, car, house, all those things that we're, we're supposed to have. I was kind of one of the brainy kids at school. Um, and I, I climbed the ladder. I, you know, worked my way through and I got into more and more senior roles and that's that's the kind of course that was if not mapped out for me that was my expectation that I would continue to do that and I did that for ultimately 35 years but I got to the age of 40 and I was in um in a company it was quite a big job I had a lot of responsibility I was responsible for most of the company uh and producing what they needed to produce and selling it and delivering it High pressure stuff, even more high pressure if you already don't really feel that you you fit into that job. If you feel like, you know, this just isn't the right thing for me. That was how it felt. So out of place. And I was given the opportunity to work with a coach in that job. So I'm, I'm about 40 at this point. And I started working with a coach. But why not? This is, you know, sounds interesting. My boss had worked with her. He'd worked through some of his stuff. I worked with her for a period of about, a, over a period of about a year, and I ended up leaving. I ended up fundamentally questioning what the hell I was doing with my life, I think generally, but particularly when it came to work. I couldn't understand people who seemed to enjoy it because I just didn't. And because I was, you know, brought up with that whole work ethic around hard work being a good thing, my interpretation of that was that, yeah, this is really hard for me really hard for me to get up every day and do this therefore I must be doing the right thing it met my expectations so I left that job and 
I stopped working with the coach because obviously the company were, were paying for it. I I asked her, you know, what training she'd done, how she'd come to to be doing what she was doing, and she told me, and I went and spent some money on training. So the last 10 years, so this is me between 40 and 50, I did a load of training. I did a load of navel gazing. I took up yoga. I meditated. I read any book I could get my hands on, be it, be it fiction or nonfiction, to just learn, to, to try and find some answers to some questions when, in fact, I didn't necessarily even know what the questions were. But I was on some kind of journey, I hate that word, but I was on some kind of journey to try and understand who I was and, you know, where my place is in the world. Um, And I continue to do that now and I'm getting there. So I've had 10 years, the last 10 years, um, as I say, we had a bit of money in the bank, so we did loads of training. I did some consultancy work. I ran some projects for people just to keep some money coming in. Uh, We sold our house to live on the money as well. And that was a big step as someone who's been raised that, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to get a, get a mortgage, get a house um, and pay that off, you know, before you retire and the house is yours. So the money ran out at one point, all the money from the house, we got to a point where it's like, right, we're, we're, we're struggling now. So then I thought I'm going to go back into those industries that I was working in before. I'm going to, you know, I've changed. So it's going to be easier now. It's going to be much easier. So I did that. I went back contracting. I, I tried interim work. I had some permanent jobs. And it was worse. I was more frustrated. I was more outspoken. I could see more of the nonsense going on. And it just, it just ground my gear so much. So I think from the perspective of others, I was a troublemaker. I mean, I wasn't. I was just calling it how I see it. But people don't like to hear these things because it starts them maybe thinking about the mistakes they themselves are making. Uh, And I don't know, it's a bit jarring on the ego for some people. So I've had a period of, of being in and out of contracts and I've had some permanent jobs and I've been fired from those jobs. Uh, it's been a it's been a rocky road. Uh, end of 2017, finished an interim contract. Probably one of the best jobs I've had. I was staying away in, in South Wales and coming home at the weekends. But I got involved in a project where uh, the company I was in were well, they were implementing an improvement strategy and there was lots of training and coaching and mentoring and I got involved in all of that stuff. And it's kind of like, yeah, this is, this is really, this is really what I'm here for. I'm interested in the people. So there's some, you know, mechanics to do. There's some things to train them in, but fundamentally this is about people thinking differently and taking a different approach to their work and solving their own problems and taking a bit of responsibility. And I loved it, but that finished end of 2017 I came out of that and I struggled to find work uh, partly because I was just struggling to find work there wasn't much about but more so I couldn't bear the thought of going back to the jobs that I'd had previously you know the high pressure ops jobs where no one gave a shit about the people they just wanted the job out the door that was the focus it was all about the figures and I became depressed. I was 
properly, properly, whatever that means, I was properly depressed for a year. I sat on the sofa pretty much watching Netflix for a year whilst people around me were, why don't you just go and get a job, Dave? And I'm just kind of like, you know, my, my skin was crawling. I couldn't bear the thought of doing that. And I went to the doctors at one point. I, I was on medication, which helped. It helped me to to shut down for that period of time. I think my, my body had my body and mind had just said, look, screw this, Dave. We're not doing this anymore. You know, we're going to we're going to stop you going back to that because it's just so much the wrong thing for you. Um, so I yeah, sat on the sofa, watched Netflix for a year, medicated, numb, just sort of shut down, flatlined. Um, couldn't get myself off the sofa, let alone anyone else get me off the sofa. I think if we'd have had Netflix in the bedroom, I wouldn't have got out of bed. And then we get to six months ago. So I'm 51 years old now. So I'm just over 50. And it's like, screw this. This isn't me. I'm better than this. This isn't how I want to live my life. I want to I want to make something of myself. I want to do something that I can wake up to do and be passionate about every single day or as many days as possible. So that's when I thought, right, what am I going to do? What am I? Who am I? Um, so by this time also, which I didn't mention, I'd been coaching. So I trained as a coach, got into all that stuff, and I started coaching people, which was always a little bit of a sideline, never never made a, a business of it. But at 50, I'm this guy who's got 35 years experience in businesses, in manufacturing businesses. So I understand process. I understand how to improve not just from a, a sort of technical business point of view, but also what's required to support the people and get them engaged. And yeah, just, I don't know, help them find the confidence to, to sort of throw themselves into it and, and learn and develop and improve. So went on to LinkedIn and this is, I've set myself up as the bullshit detective. I called myself the bullshit detective for whatever the reason. And that's really fundamentally about, there's all this nonsense going on in so many businesses, which is driven by people's egos and agendas, and it's not not being driven by by what is real and what is the sensible, logical, I don't know, proper, if that's the right word, decision to take. And I spent the last last six months on LinkedIn, just been posting daily, engaging with people, growing a network, and I've now started to see the fruits of that. It's still early days. It's still well, happening a lot more slowly than I'd like, but isn't that always the case? And and that's that's really my story, my my unremarkable story. It's a story that many many people are living. Uh, maybe the difference between me and them is that I have finally seen what I was doing to myself. And actually just to refer back the thing that happened when I was eight years old the thing that fundamentally changed how I viewed the world it gave me in some ways a mistrust of people uh, particularly a mistrust of people who were in positions of authority or at least perceived authority those major typically male figures in my life and what happened is that my granddad died my granddad died the day before my ninth birthday. So not surprisingly, I've never really enjoyed a, enjoyed a birthday until until the last few years. 
until I worked all this out. But he died. One day he died of a heart attack. One day he was there. The next day he was gone. He was my hero. Such a huge figure in my life. Uh, my nan and granddad, that's where, we, that's where we'd go with my mum when my dad was off doing whatever he was doing at the weekends. It was a, a place of, of, I don't know, a place of safety, security, warmth, all those kind of things. And he was gone. And for years, once I started to sort of tap into this, this is the reason why I've been like I have for so long. Whilst, while I've, you know, why I've let, I don't know, my life happen to me rather than be actively involved in making a life. Uh, it's because of that. And as I say, you know, that happens to lots of people. And they respond in different ways, but it, it left me really, really lacking something within myself. So I've made peace with that. I hated him for years because he abandoned me. But I've made my peace with it and I've rebuilt my relationship with my granddad, even though he's been dead for such a long time. And things are looking up and things are looking more positive. And that's just the point of the story, an unremarkable story that led to, to depression. It led to me finally giving up, but then coming through that, coming through the, the absolute depression, the, the suicidal thoughts, just, just the, the hatred of, of so many things, including myself. But I'm out the other side of that now and I'm improving day on day. I've still got a way to go, uh, but I will get there. So that is all I've got to say. I'm just telling my story as I see it. There may be more detail to come in the future, but look, thank you for listening. And I don't know, maybe I'll see you next time I do one of these. Cheers.